This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, welcome. Good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland and in, in uh, well, in my home studio, but here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent on this I was going to say gloomy kind of day, but this rain is kind of a cleansing rain. It's melting all the dirty snow. Yeah, and I, you know what, I I know that I'm in the minority, but I love this time of year. I love the big melts. I don't mind the muck because I know what is coming, and there's all these little things starting to poke their little heads up from the soil, and I just adore it. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm starting to see little noses of hyacinths coming through my soil. So, yep, yeah. spring, is, eh, spring is in the air, and I guess spring actually really starts tomorrow. Tomorrow at about 11.30 a.m. Yeah, going to give all those numbers. We would love for you to call us with any any questions you have about gardening uh, inside or out, uh, the number in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free call, 1-866-740-4740. Please let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller because then we will give you your garden wings. <laughs> there you go. Lovely. Yeah, and call call often, <laughs> call early, and please, please, one question per call because that allows us to get more callers through. And I gotta say, Charlie, I gotta say, I am always impressed by that soprano at the beginning of the show going <laughs> that oh, because you know what? At nine a.m. as a baritone bass, I mm-hmm. sure as heck can't get up there. No kidding. So what's with that bell? That's a different bell. Yeah, yeah, we got the, uh, I got the uh, the email from Moses Moses Neimer and the 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 management there at uh, Zoomer that said, you know what, we have long <laughs> wanted a uh, a heftier bell, and so they have uh, they have handed me over a, a different bell moving forward, something that has a little bit more uh, substance to it. Yeah, right. Right, so now we're not just giving wings, we're giving wings. Wings, because it's a big deal when people call in. We love when people I call know. in, and it is a big deal when you call in for the first time, for sure. That's right. Hey, listen, uh, speaking of first time, uh, the Garden Sydney Garden City Gardeners, so of course Garden City being St. Catharines, is excited to announce that they are having a new beginnings event. So this is Come Grow With Us. On Saturday, March 26th, so that's uh, next Saturday, uh, it's an event that starts at 10 a.m., runs through till 2 p.m. It's in person. Perfect timing. Of course, you're going to listen to the show from 9 to 10 and then be there at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canals Centre, which is at 1932 Welland Canals Parkway in St. Catharines. There will be a luncheon at 12 o'clock, so this event goes through 10 till 2. They've got draws, win prizes. Of course, the current COVID protocols will apply, and a couple of great speakers, both James Graham, who is absolutely hilarious, not to mention incredibly 
smart. And George Scott, who I don't know, but George will be speaking about bees and pollinators. And I guess he's quite the beekeeper. So that's a pretty cool event. Uh, of course, they're hoping you'll join the, the Garden City Gardeners or the St. Catherine's Hort Society because memberships will be available. But this event is open to absolutely everybody. Fabulous. Okay, listen, I uh, we have callers on the line already. The lights are uh, the the lines are lighting up. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Garden Show. And who knows on that list that we just heard what we're going to talk about on The Garden Show today. I'm Dean Holland and with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, before we get to that first caller, I'm just going to give out those numbers again. 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number. Anywhere else in the province of Ontario, toll-free 866 740 Four seven four zero. We are going to a first-time caller. I've got Eve on the line from Toronto. How are you this morning, Eve? Fine, thank you very much. I'm going to give you your wings, there, my dear. Thank you very much. <laughs> good morning. Go. Good morning, Charlie and Dean Hallen. I would like to ask. Over the winter, I had put on uh, the foam hats over my roses, and I was wondering: is it too early to take them off now or not? Uh, it might be. What, did you put soil over the roses or an actual rose cone? A uh, rose cone, the foam heads. And underneath, yeah. on the root, I put soil on and sometimes I put some uh, uh, leaves on too. Yeah, okay. So that's good. Hilling with soil and leaves and all that nice fluffy stuff is great. If you actually have one of those styrofoam or, you know, like a, an actual cover over your rose, I would definitely take it off now. Oh, because okay. the, the higher that's temperatures means we start more, getting right? all kinds of fungus growing underneath. Yeah, but leave the soil. The rain, everything is wet and when it gets yeah, fungus, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just that the temperatures are a little erratic right now. Right. So you don't want too much protection but do keep the soil or the leaves or whatever hill you put over the rose leave that in place for at least another couple of weeks probably depending on what's going on with the weather right so i could take the heads off now the the poor heads. i i would yes okay just want to make sure i don't want to do something yeah. i don't want to destroy you know kill my roses no, that's right. And also when we do start to take the soil away from our roses, uh, I like to keep it nearby. I don't spread it around the garden. I keep it sort of in a mound just in case we get a late frost. And then you can always quickly kick some soil back up over your roses if there's a real cold night coming. You know, as we get into April and May, sometimes we do get quite exactly, severe frosts. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, but always have a backup plan. I took them up too early and then I had to put them back on again. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, take any cones uh, off. Right. Thank Thanks you so for your much. call. Don't be a stranger. Dean, are you there? Oh. Yeah, and, okay, and now we, uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to Stratford now. I have Eve oh. on the line. No, I have Judy, Judy. Judy on the line. Judy, how are you this morning, hon? Good morning. 
Um, Charlie, I have a question about grow lights. We have mm-hmm. one of those big um, metal two-tier stands, and we've always used fluorescent lights, but this year we went and bought grow lights, and we bought Sylvania Grow Lux Premium Octron. But as my plants are coming up, we had tomatoes, and we've got um, echinacea. They're getting real spindly, and, like, they just stay there. Like, the, the coneflowers are not growing. I finally took them out and put them in front of a window. Did oh. I get the wrong kind of light? It was the ones that the lady told us when we got them. Oh, no. I think your lights are perfect. Probably what's happening is, can you lower the lights? Because the thing about those grow lights is they're not hot. They're fluorescent tubes. And you should have those lights down about two inches above the tiny plants. Yeah, I've got them down lower to it, but, like, they're really spindly. Okay, and how many hours a day have you got the lights on? We shut them off at night, and then we Mm. turn them back on in the morning. Okay, but still, how what's how many hours would that be? Okay, we shut them off at maybe, um, I would say, like 8 o'clock and turn them back on at 8, like 12 hours. <clears throat> right, so leave them on longer. You need them on for about 16 hours. Okay. So even, you know what I do? I have my lights on a timer, so I don't have to think about it. Okay. okay. So they, they just turn off automatically at midnight or, or whatever time, however you want to set it up. But, um, yeah, your lights should, if your lights are on and working properly and close enough, you know, providing sufficient illumination, you should not have spindly plants. They should be nice and stout and green. Okay. Okay. So leave the lights on for longer. A little longer. And and like I said, make sure they're, if you have to lift up the plants or lower the lights, either way, get them really close together We've got for now. And then as they grow, of course, we we move everything. Okay. Thank you. And the Fristacea that you told me to bring in is flowering nicely. Sweet. <laughs> nice to hear. Nice. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks Have a so, good day. Yeah, thanks, Judy. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love Forsythia. You know what? I grew up with a, with a, where I grew up as a, you know, in my first decade, I had a, we had a big Forsythia bush in the backyard, and my mom would bring them in. They're great. I know. They're such an old-fashioned plant. Like, they're, in a sense, they're kind of boring because they're so old-fashioned, but Every now and then you'll see well-grown forsythia or there's this um, uh, townhouse complex on Leslie Street in Toronto, just north Mm -hmm. of Shepherd, and they have... Oh, like forsythia have probably been there for 30 years but they it's like a hedge there must be maybe 10 or 20 of them and when they when it's blooming it is uh, just you know eye popping eye poppingly wow. beautiful yeah. not so pretty the rest of the year but really pretty for about 10 days every every year yeah well we talked about this last week right things that grow on mass are typically just breathtaking so uh listen got to take a quick break but we will be back with more callers for charlie don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Hey there, welcome back to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, uh, here with Charlie Dobbin. Charlie, we have some more callers on the line. We're going to go to Scarborough now. I've got Deborah. How are you this morning, Deborah? Hello. Morning. Hello. How are you? Carol. My name I'm sorry? is Carol. Oh. Carol. Carol. Oh, well, Carol from Scarborough. Yep. How are you? What do you got for Charlie there? Well, I have a tree, a, a maple tree. And it's full of these spiky um, pods, uh, seed pods all around the top of the tree. We want to know what kind of tree, maple tree that is. Huh. Uh, spiky pods that are there from last year? Probably. I don't know. They're seed pods. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you're sure it's a maple? I'm, that's spiky. what I've been told it's a maple. Hmm. Uh, and so do they, 
Okay, so maple trees are the ones that make the little helicopters. Uh, so when the seeds are ripe, the, they, when, they tw- when they drop off the tree, they come down and spiral. Um, they float down, right? And squirrels, right. meanwhile, also chew the seeds out of the little helicopters. So when you say spiky, you're sort of throwing me off because... Well, the, the spikes, mm, little spikies, little um, pods, and they're all spiky. You, you could, it's hard to handle them. They're all spikes. It doesn't sound like a maple. Oh, okay. Is there any chance you could take a photograph and email me a picture? Yes, I can do that. Yeah, do that because, uh, yeah, maples, as far as I know, it's called a Samara or Samara, mm-hmm. the seeds that drop off of maples. And like I say, we, we call them helicopters because when they come down there, they right. twirl to the ground. So spiky, I mean, there's a number of plants that produce seed pods that are spiky, like everything from Rose of Sharon to, you know, right. um, oh, there's all kinds of them out there. So, yeah, send me a photo, if you don't mind, of one of these little pods um, or if you have a picture of the tree from during the summer anything that gives me a little more identification would be great okay, okay yeah, what's your yeah, charlie's e- yeah charlie's email is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com and that's really for anybody who wants to send a picture some things are hard for uh, charlie to diagnose uh just verbally okay thanks do that. yeah thanks okay we're gonna go to uh dorchester now we've got um, mm-hmm. diane on the line from dorchester how are you this morning diane I'm doing great, but looking out the window now that the snow's gone, and I'm happy it is because I like spring, but that just means lots and lots of work, and my husband is <laughs> going down the groundhog hole. Anyway, <laughs> I, I've got catmint and lavender, and normally I would prune them back a little bit in the fall, but this last year we got busy with some things. And, you know, I do them in, in individual stems, Charlie, it takes me hours and hours doing that. Is it how how like the one? <clears throat> pardon me. I got it because it's supposed the continent's supposed to repel the mosquitoes, and now it's I'd say it's almost two and a half feet high. When I was told these are going to be very manageable and not real big, and uh, it's sort of flowing over into my uh, pathway when you come up to the front door. So how, how um, much can I remove in one thing, or should, <clears throat> pardon me, should I only do it in increments? Oh, well, if, if it's, it's not a shrub, it's actually a herbaceous plant. So right now when you look at it, it's all crispy and gray and brown, right? It's, yeah, there's it's nothing... all crunchy. Yeah. So what I do with that is I get out either my pruners or my loppers, and I cut the whole thing right down to the ground in the spring. Like oh, just that take it right down. Wonderful. That sounds just too easy. <laughs> After <laughs> oh, all the work that I've been I always doing. look for the easy oh. route on these things. So definitely go for the right down to the ground with any of your plants that are non well, m- many of our woody plants we could do that too, but all of our herbaceous plants we can just go right down to the ground. So anything that's, that's crispy now uh, and the is the new growth will the come lavender? from the bottom, right from the root if you uh, take it right down like that. Yeah, the lavender as well. Well, lavender, I'd be a little more careful with just because you usually want a fairly good sized bush with lavender. Yeah. If okay, you take well, too I'll much off, more, it can it can die. I'll be careful, but I'll have my fun on the uh, cat mint. Thank yeah, you so and much for your she, advice. Give a little shearing, boy, take off anything that's really woody and dead on the lavender, but otherwise I'd leave it alone. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. 
Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks, Diane. Um, Charlie, uh, I've got an email here that I was just going to pull up because um, uh, we mentioned groundhogs in that last mm. call. And we got an email from uh, from Monica, who is from Newmarket. And she said uh, that she's enjoying the show on a regular basis. And she says, so rabbits. Mm. I believe She says she believes he have a, is it euonymus? Yes. A euonymus that I have been coaching up the side of her house to try and hide the hideous utility items on the other urban tight homes. This year, for the first time, I have rodent damage on the base. She's concerned that it will compromise the health of the plant and its, and its climbing. She, uh, she sent you some photos. Um, she said, you should see the mess they made on my stooping Norway spruce. Actually, she actually saved a baby rabbit in her backyard <laughs> last spring. And hey, this is the thanks she's getting. Help, Charlie. <laughs> so I'm I'm shocked that the, likely rabbits did this, and I'm I'm shocked that if you know um, we've got somebody like Monica doing all that nice work for saving rabbits, and then they turn around and eat the bark off of her euonymus, and frankly, it does not look good in the photographs. Uh, yeah, we had, this was a fairly cold winter and many rabbits got hungry in the middle of the winter and either under the snow or just on the surface of the snow went around and chewed the bark off of plants and they love euonymus. Looking at the photographs, it looks to me like the euonymus at Monica's place has been girdled. So when a plant is girdled, it means the bark's been removed from all around the stem, the entire circumference has been removed. And in her case, it's up, it's from ground level up to about a foot high, it looks like. She is likely to lose these plants. They are unlikely to survive that damage because in where that bark was is where the phloem uh, works and moves liquids inside the plant. And when you don't have bark, you don't have phloem. And when you don't have that movement, uh, phloem moving around the plant, the plant dies. So I'm afraid to say she's probably going to lose the plants. Oh wow, that's a shame. That's uh, yeah. it's a watch. It's a watch and see. It, it, yep. Like plants are amazing. Sometimes, if even if there's just a little bit of bark left, as long as there's it's connected, and mm -hmm. there can be that up the the stem and down the stem movement, the plant will survive. But uh, if the bark is completely removed all the way around. There's no way to save it except with some very fancy grafting. And to try and explain that on the radio would be virtually impossible. <laughs> mm -hmm. If she were to plant a, the same type of plant there in future years, could she girdle it with something during the winter to prevent uh, that? Protect it? Yeah. Uh, she could definitely try. One of the things I do when I'm worried about varmints chewing on my plants, in the fall, I will spray with um, a deterrent to keep the animals from chewing. Now, you you know, right now her euonymus still looks great, but then again, it's still frozen. You know, the, all the upper part, it's the lower part where the bark is completely missing that is a bit scary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's different uh, products out there. I've had pretty good success with something called Plant Skid. I never remember how to spell that. So it's P-L-A-N-T and then Skid. I think it's S-K-Y. And two D's, D as in dog, twice, I think is how that's spelled. I can check that, though. Gotcha. Uh, listen, I'm going to give you those numbers out again. Anywhere in Toronto, we'd love for you to call us. We do have lines open. 416-360-0740 uh, or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It is a toll-free call. one 866 740 
four zero. And uh, I, Charlie, I've got another first time caller on the line. We are going to go and speak to Anne, who is calling from uh, well, from what I know to be fruit country, Grimsby. How are you, hon? Hello, I'm fine this Hello. morning. Thank you. But I want to give you your your garden wings, there, my dear. <laughs> well, Welcome I love to the show. I love all seasons when I see sunshine, especially. But there's beauty in all of them. And um, but what I did last fall, I had a, a huge maple tree with all oh, 40, 45 years old, beautiful growing tree in my front yard, and a huge limb the size of a tree fell off, mm. and it fell off uh, like it was oh I don't know, ten feet or more long, and and um, because of rot. Mm. That part, most of the the part at the tree was rot and a bit of wood holding it. So I had the tree removed, and the rest of the tree was not rotten. Mm-hmm. And I was so sorry I did it, so I'm missing it. I just want to know, what can I plant in a tree that will grow quite quickly in my front yard again? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's a good question. Generally speaking, pardon? Sorry, I missed what you just said. Uh, How about a tulip tree? Is that Mm. logical? A a tulip tree is a lovely, lovely tree. The proper name is Liriodendron. It is, uh, we call it a tulip tree because the flowers are like little tiny tulip flowers. Yep. Um, And it's a beautiful, beautiful tree, but it is not a fast growing tree. Uh, In 40 odd years, it will be a very big tree. So it kind of depends. Well, I mean, if a maple fit I'm a very mature lady, so I can't wait too long. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's the issue. The, um, I can tell you, trees that grow fast, things that grow fast and give us instant shade or instant privacy tend to not be good choices for the long term because anything that grows really fast tends to have very weak wood. So it tends to break in the wind, uh, break in an ice storm. You know, think of willow, for example, or, you know, a medium medium kind of tree. Um, You know what I love? One of my favorite quite fast growing trees like we're talking as much as two to three feet a year tree is called a katsura with a k K k-a-t like cat and then s-u-r-a katsura is the common name s-u-r k-a-t-s-u-r-a a-s-c-a-r-e no start at the beginning k as in kite yes a, T a. as in Tom. Yes. S as in Sam. Yes. U, R, A. E, R, A. Okay, I wrote Great it. Great tree, uh, fairly quick growing, originally from Asia, uh, so not native. Some people really want to stick with the native, but what I love about a Katsura is that it is virtually pest and disease free it just does not get eaten by anything however it doesn't have any real showy flowers either it's very That's insignificant okay. flowers I, I like foliage yeah yeah beautiful heart-shaped foliage blue green leaves um oh, okay. beautiful fall color uh it's like marmalade in the fall it's mm-hmm. an apricot color so it's a very very beautiful tree and it's fairly quick growing once it gets established mm-hmm. and you have to make sure you water it 
very consistently through its first five, 10 years. Don't ever let it suffer from lack of water. It's a, it's a great tree and will do a beautiful job for you, but it does like water. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks All so right. much for the call there, Anne. And good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to squeeze in another caller before our break. Uh, we're going to Brampton now. We have uh, Mary on the line. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Mary. How are you? I'm just fine. fine. I want to ask what, you, what do you I got there do? for Charlie? What I can do to get rid of knotweed. It's all through my lawn. Uh, not a lot. <sighs> the problem with any of these weeds that are all through people's lawns is that you you can kill the weed, but you're going to kill the lawn as well. Or you dig the weed, but that, of course, is pretty tough on the lawn as well. It's very, I mean, there there are some herbicides out there. I think um, one called Weed Be Gone is one that will theoretically uh, kill any broad-leafed plants and not kill your lawn. But you'll have to follow the instructions, you know, do everything like it says, and still be prepared to do some digging along the way. It's, uh, it's very, very hard once these things get established. <clears throat> and that's why it's so important that, you know, for anybody who has a lawn and is thinking about what do I do about my lawn this spring, do everything to keep your lawn as happy and healthy and full and green and just, you know, keep it perking along so that weeds can't move in. That's one of the theories behind a a happy lawn is no thin areas, no sparse areas, no dead areas are left without you repairing them as fast as possible because otherwise weeds will take advantage and move into those, those thin areas. So yeah, that's the that's your issue is um, finding a, a herbicide that will work to kill the weed and not kill the lawn. You'll always have your best success working on weed death early in the season. Young weeds are much easier to kill than older weeds. Okay, is is it an annual? Nope, it is a perennial. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good luck good on luck. that, Mary. Yeah. Wow, yeah. frustrating, eh? Uh, yeah, it's the thing about weeds. I mean, sorry, weeds. Thing about lawns. The yeah. um, it's one of the reasons that you know lawns to some extent have kind of lost favor, and people tend to put more emphasis on gardens and mulch and you know river rock and that sort of thing, yeah. just because lawns can be challenging. Like, just not so much challenging, but they're ongoing. If you want a beautiful lawn, it's kind of a full time job. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, listen, speaking of frustration, just quickly before we go to break, we did get a, uh, an email from Edna in uh, Springwater Township, uh, sort of Barrie area, and she was commenting about the immense uh, damage around Barrie last summer from the moths attacking spruce trees after all the oak trees were defoliated. Mm -hmm. And she was wondering uh, if there will be, um, because there's a lot of damage, especially on the top of the very spruce trees, Mm -hmm. and whether they will regrow their needles this year, what will happen? Okay, so that is a great question. Um, she refers to them as gypsy moths, and certainly gypsy moth has been the common name of this plant, this insect pest, uh, invasive pest, you know, came from Asia years and years ago. It just, so everybody knows, is no longer called gypsy moth. Um, gypsy oh. moth is considered a racist term, and so gypsy moth has been lost as a common name. We're now calling them spongy moths. So let's all remember that spongy moths, same 
problematic pest from the last few years that was called a gypsy moth. Um, they're called spongy moths because of the egg masses. And that's uh, something we can talk about maybe when we get back from the break. But to specifically answer Edna's question, I'm afraid to say that it's a real problem. If an oak tree or maple tree is defoliated by an invasive pest, which has caterpillars that eat all the leaves, generally speaking, the leaves will grow back. In the case of evergreens, though, when that same pest caterpillar chews the needles at the top of the tree, the terminal top of the tree, what the problem is, is that it will not regrow from that top. The, the tree may survive, but it will never be the right form ever again. The, that dead top is dead. Uh, she can watch it. I mean, it sounds like these are big spruces, so it'll be hard to go up and trim them anyway. But I think what you're going to find is new growth will start, but it's going to start and you'll end up with a new terminal, so a new tip, but it will be on an angle. So it will not be where it was. It'll be off to the side. So the form of the trees will not be good, but assuming they were healthy and happy trees, they will survive that damage. And then, of course, like I said, maybe it, shortly in the future, we could talk a bit more about what we can be doing right now to avoid damage from this pest this spring. Okay, gotcha. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with more callers here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Garden Show. Uh, those numbers again, because we'd love to hear from you. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, one 866 740 Four seven four zero. Okay, and um, let me see. We're going to go to Scarborough now. We have uh, we have Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Good. Yourself? I am well. I'm well. What's uh, what's the weather like there in Scarborough? Rain. <laughs> dull. Yeah. Anyway. Dull. We're not getting a bit of rain here just yet. And I think Charlie, you said you were weren't getting active rain when we started the show. Right, but it's it's there's more coming, and it's still very wet here. But it's great; it's very cleansing. I'm kind of liking it, though. It's uh, Robert's right; it's very gray and somewhat on the gloomy side today. So my first question is, what's knockweed, and can you smoke it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding you. What does it look like so you could know whether you had it in your lawn? <clears throat> uh, I can tell you what the proper name is, and you can look it up. But what's your what's your real question? My real question. Uh, uh, what I'm, I'm trying to reseed my grass uh, front and back, and I look online, and believe it or not, there's 55 different types of grass seed. And last year I put some grass seed in that was supposed to be very good, but it was full of rye grass, and that stuff grows, you know, six inches a day. So you have to keep cutting it. Should Can I find something that's got a little better quality in? Well, is it a sunny part of your lawn that you're it's doing this receding, or is it part of how, how much sun? Is it full, like six hours of sun or more, or what? Uh, I would say in the evening or in the late afternoon, it's six hours of, of sun, but uh, in the morning, the, the, it faces north the house, so it, it oh, okay. doesn't get the sun in the morning. All right, so, yeah, so, so that's the thing, and I hope other people are listening to this as well. You, it's very rare to grow grass seed that's just one single seed type. 
Instead, the seed manufacturers put together blends of grass seed and they'll blend them because certain grasses do better in certain conditions. So first you have to identify what are my conditions. Um, if you're getting early day or late day sun, you know, like really early and late day sun, then that's not what we would call full sun. That would be considered half sun, half shade. Uh, sometimes we have parts of the yard where it's high traffic, where, you know, there's a children's play area or we walk constantly in certain areas. So high traffic areas, again, we look for seed blends that are designed for that. You'll also find seed blends that are designed for drought tolerance. Uh, they might be, they call it a boulevard blend, uh, an area where we just can't water and we want these plants to grow. So again, they've selected seeds to withstand those conditions. But the other addendum to all that is you get what you pay for. So if you go to your local Canadian Tire and you pick up the cheapest grass seed bag you can find, you are highly likely to be very unhappy with what ultimately grows. So don't do that. Save your money, put your money into uh, the expensive, the good quality, the best quality uh, grass seed uh, blend you can afford, but choose one that's going to work in your conditions. So in your case, it's it, like I said, it just wouldn't be a full sun or a drought tolerant blend you'd be looking for. It's something more along the lines of a, you know, and, and the, usually the what's in the bag will be very clearly identified in terms of the seed blend. So we love our Kentucky bluegrass because it's got that blue green color and it's grows slowly and it's gives us, the, you know, that lovely, lovely uh, lawn, that carpet. However, it wants full sun. So you're going to probably want a blend that has some portion of Kentucky bluegrass, but only maybe 20, 30 percent at the most. The balance is going to be like you're saying, it could it might be more festucas than ryegrasses. But, you know, you'll just have to sort of see what's out there and avoid annual ryegrass. If there's any in the blend, avoid it because annual ryegrass just comes up very quickly, but dies very quickly. So you want perennial seeds only. So just one more quick question. Why is it that they ban uh, artificial turf? Is that because it uh, does away with the uh, grass seed growers? <laughs> you don't have to cut <laughs> yeah, it. Right. They've got such a big... <laughs> well, okay, as so far as I know, because you're in the Toronto area, Toronto is the only municipality that I know of that has banned artificial turf. And the reason they did it is because from like on your property, you kind of, you're responsible for maintaining it right down to the curb or right down to the sidewalk and then from the sidewalk down to the curb, you're responsible, but you don't actually own that. The, the, the 20 feet up from the road, or sometimes 30 feet up the road is actually owned by the municipality, uh, but you still have to look after it. When you go and spend thousands of dollars on artificial turf and then they've got to come in and do some uh, repairs to the infrastructure on the property they own, they rip up your artificial turf that you just spent thousands of dollars on and you are and they're pissed off about it because it's very hard to get through that stuff and then you have to replace it and repair it. So it's, it's more to do with just them having access to their property. You can do whatever you want on your property, but you cannot put the artificial grass on their property. Great. Thanks sold for the question there, Robert. Store, uh, right? I do have to run and take a break, <laughs> uh, but we will be right back with uh, more callers on The Garden Show. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. And Charlie, I have got Brian on the line. He is a first-time caller uh, from Cayuga. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, folks. How are you? We are well. I would like to give you your garden wings, sir. Okay, don't make the check payable to cash. (laughs) <laughs> nice nice to what do you... with both of you and my question I'm into orchids and roses but since Canada is not a nation shall we say conducive to growing orchids my question relates to roses my grandfather being of British raised English reds mother raised them after grandpa passed now I have that pleasure of looking after the roses. Charlie, my succinctness concerns, is there a better breed than the English Reds for Southern Ontario to grow? There is. There are Canadian bred roses. Okay. So they're easier to grow because, easier in the sense that they're less maintenance because they're growing on their own roots Instead of being grafted or budded onto a different root system, they're on their own roots. So they don't require a lot of winter protection. Uh, so no fancy hilling. They right. withstand crazy winters and wind and snow and ice. They're fine. But they're not as traditional of the roses as you might be thinking of from the UK with the you know, beautiful, massive sweetheart buds and hybrid tea, you know, big fluffy yeah. roses. So it kind of depends what you're looking for. Um, I'm a, also a pretty big, so thinking of the Canadian roses, there's ones called the artist series. Art. The roses are named after artists like Emily Carr and okay. uh, names such as that. So you can Google artist series roses. The first group that came out were the explorer series. And of course, so their names like Henry Hudson and, you know, Baffin Island or whatever. There's a bunch of uh, John Cabot uh, roses. They are not as highly bred, so they don't have as many petals. They're a little more like a wild rose, so some of them might not work for you. They might just be too big and too too sort of blousy. If you like a really tidy rose, um, there are some choices that work better. Um, one group of roses actually that ended up being the number one series of uh, uh, selling rose once it was introduced are the knockout roses. So K-N-O-C-K, knockout roses. Again, there's a series of them in different colors and there's single flowering and double flowering. There's reds, there's light pinks, dark pinks, uh, etc. Knockout roses, Beautiful, super simple, not even like a rose, just treat it like a flowering shrub. They they flower right from spring right through till Christmas. And then you just chop them all down in the spring and start all over again. They're, so they're super easy to grow. So I, if I were you and you're still looking for the beauty of roses, but you don't want a ton of work, just look for some of the, uh, the, some of the series that are out there that are a little hardier and growing on their own roots. Gotcha. I think we uh, I think we lost Brian on the line. That's I hope, fine. I hope we answered his question. Yeah, I hope uh, we did too, Dean. Yeah, we oh, did yes. such I a good job on we. that. And <laughs> actually, I he brought to mind some, something that I we 
when when my wife and I owned our very first home in Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, we had a uh, we owned an old uh, like a row house that was built in the late 1800s, and we uh, planted a is was it a floribunda? It was a light pink floribunda, and my goodness, I'll send you the pictures. I'll dig them up. I can't believe how much it it thrived in that mm-hmm. south facing wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had hundreds and hundreds of blooms, and we were only there for a few years, but my goodness, it grew well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the right plant in the right place makes all the difference, right? Roses love lots of heat, lots of sun. The first uh, soil that's got a certain amount of organic material has a certain level of good quality soil. You will have happy roses. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I, and my other sort of comment is that, my goodness, we, I think we could do a whole show on lawns. Oh, yeah. I mean, the questions on lawns that we get. And of course, this time of year, it's always a topic between my wife and I over the years uh, (laughs) because of all the the different stuff that grows in. And it is we're on a, you know, a fairly big lot. Yeah, right. You just don't have the time to pick everything out. Well, and, you know, we are coming up to that point. I mean, it's been a bit controversial here on my street. Uh, People are asking about the fertilizer that's out there that's got what's called crabgrass control in the fertilizer. So it's got corn gluten in the bag. So what that does is if the corn gluten will control seeds from germinating. And of course, crabgrass is a noxious weed that uh, died. All the crabgrass died over the winter. But before the plants died, they spread seeds all over the place. Each plant can spread up to 60,000 seeds. So if you had any crabgrass in your neighborhood last fall, you likely have seeds in your lawn or in your on your property now. So we are coming up to that time to get that crabgrass control fertilizer out onto our lawns. The, the time frame is when the forsythia start to bloom. So there's that coming around again to the forsythia. Once the forsythia start to turn yellow, you get your crabgrass preventer or crabgrass control fertilizer out on the lawn following the directions on the bag. Gotcha. Now, uh, quickly, uh, I've always thought that by putting down more grass seed, uh, you know, over the years, that that would sort of choke out the weeds. Is there is there some uh, truth to that or am yeah. I? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that originally. It's like if you can have a thick, healthy lawn, you will you will not have nearly as many weed issues because those crabgrass seeds can't germinate if they can't get down to the ground, down to the soil. If they spray around, but they're all sitting up high on your good quality lawn, you're good. Like nothing's going to happen. So yeah, a thick, healthy lawn is, is the way to go to minimize pests and diseases. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. It's been a great show. I don't know where the hour went. <laughs> Thanks mm-hmm. for great callers. Keep those emails coming. See y'all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.